So hello there, this is Dr. Pamela Jolly and welcome to podcast number two of the Reset Juneteenth series. In this series, we're going to be focusing on the hidden lessons uh, within Juneteenth. The title of this podcast is, Are We There Yet? What pressure are you feeling? We are at a crossroads of what appears to be, for me, a faith and finance journey. Our convicted belief in what matters is now forging ahead into a new dimension of how we are to steward our resources in pursuit of the change that we've been seeking for generations. It's a time to be excited, but it's a time to also be focused. It's important that we get clear. Welcome to podcast number two. Are we there yet? What pressure are you feeling? This Jolly Journey episode, podcast number two of the Juneteenth series, is sponsored by the Wealth Finishing School. The Wealth Finishing School, opening up in August of 2020, is a school that is focused on helping people overcome what I call unfinished business. When you think about your relationship with money, faith, finance, and business, when you think about your definition of wealth, Is there some unfinished business? Is there some place that you could improve? Well, if the answer is yes, I want you to consider the invitation to join the journey within the Wealth Finishing School. Take a look at the podcast notes to sign up to learn more. Are we there yet? We have marched, protested, and laid our dear brother, George, to rest. What's next? Time waits for no man. And that truth puts pressure on each one of us. Hopefully last week's podcast helped you in one way or another to get clear about the timing of your reset. This podcast invites you to go a little further down the road of clarity. A reset, as I define it, is to do things differently, not do different things. To do things differently, one must first learn how things have been done. Anything that has been done can be undone, is what my grandmother said to me as I left corporate America determined to make a difference in my lifetime. What pressure has already been felt, faced, and enforced to get us here? What undoing is the pressure we feel inviting us to consider in the times that we live in? This week, I want you to get clear about the hidden equity in Juneteenth as it relates to pressure. A lot has happened in the two weeks since George Floyd was murdered. People all over the world have shared their unified support in raising awareness of what I pray you already know and believe. Black lives matter. They've always mattered, especially when it comes to the creation of wealth in America. I remember years ago when I first heard Reverend Jesse Jackson say, Public pressure pushes public policy. Do you feel the pressure? Do you have a policy to push? Are you clear in what direction to push it? Thurgood Marshall has this quote that tells the truth that will put some pressure on some of you. He said, Today's Constitution is a realistic document of freedom only because of several corrective amendments. Those amendments speak to a sense of decency and fairness that I and other Blacks cherish. We can always stick together 
when we are losing, but tend to find a means of breaking up when we are winning. Do you feel the pressure building in you? For me, it feels like we are in a surge. A surge is a powerful forward or upward movement, especially by a crowd or by a natural force, such as the wave or a tide. Are you riding the wave or the tide? There is a difference. Both tides and waves are natural phenomena. The primary difference is the source of energy beyond the phenomena. For waves, this is the wind acting on the surface of the water. But for tides, it's the gravitational pull of the moon and the sun on the water coupled with the Earth's rotation around its axis. Where is your pressure coming from? The energy at the surface or the gravitational pull of our ancestors awakening us to a 400-year reset? Pressure can sometimes frustrate people. I define frustration as an opportunity that has not been pursued yet. What do you define your frustration as? A common frustration in our community when it comes to progress is found in both the tides and the waves of resources, representation, and ownership. While some people are counting the blessings of what has occurred in recent weeks, there are many who are asking themselves and others, so what's the plan now? Essentially, where is the tide pressuring you to go? What circular pattern are we working to overcome now? Where are you in the wilderness? And do you have a plan for exit? What is your promised land? Are you going to get there in your lifetime? Part of the pressure and the plan is in you. And that's extremely good news. Do you feel it mounting up? I would argue that the wave is a distraction. It is the tide that we have been waiting for. Not the push to do something, but the pull to be a part of the changing tide that you have inherited. So what is pressure for you? What is it building up in you? Is it fuel for the fire or is it a jewel for the excavation necessary to dig up the hidden equity in our legacy? Pressure when applied to carbon creates one of two things, a lump of coal or a diamond. Both are valuable and both are useful, but both are very different things that happen when pressure is applied. Carbon is the main element in organic compounds. Carbon can form stable bonds with many elements, including itself. Carbon is the functional element for living things because it is able to bond in many ways. It can form many compounds that are essential to life. This means that it can form bonds in all three dimensions and make molecules with complicated shapes. What type of carbon footprint are you? When carbon is reacted with hydrogen, the oxygen is liberated as water. How do you react to the pressure you are living in today? Are you ready to use it to liberate things? Our definition of community is expanding like a surge, both forward and upward. 
As our inherited roadblocks start to be addressed, what lies beyond the wave of activity is the pressure of what lies underneath. The reality that once you start to win, the work begins. You know those hidden roadblocks that reveal the pressure that we must now face? Are you ready to face them? These are the remaining effects of the threats, the repetitive traumas that have occurred generation after generation. All of this activity is unearthing what we must find ways to overcome. In seminary, I learned how trauma can pass on like a spirit from generation to generation. Invisible transfer, yet very visible impact. How many of you are feeling the pressure from the unseen, the trauma of trauma's past that are triggered by traumas today? Mr. Westmore said that the thing that we should be aiming for is a new normal that's grounded in justice, not just criminal justice, but economic justice. What is the pressure we want to place on corporate America? Is the severity of this moment really shocking companies into action? Let's think about how we can learn from the events that led up to Juneteenth. I want to introduce you or reintroduce some of you to a man named Horace Greeley, who understood the power of pressure. He was the founder of the New York Tribune, and he wrote a letter to President Lincoln and published it. In his editorial, titled The Prayer of 20 Millions, Greeley focused on Lincoln's reluctance to enforce the Confiscation Acts of 1861 and 1862. Congress had approved the appropriation of Confederate property, including slaves, as a war measure, but many generals were reluctant to enforce the acts, as was the Lincoln administration. President Lincoln, in a rare occurrence, responded to Horace Greeley. President Lincoln was feeling the pressure of the impending threat of preserving the Union and what it would take to make sure it happened. Horace Greeley put pressure on the president to do what he said he was going to do in his inaugural address of 1861. Specifically, Horace Greeley and the other abolitionists believed that they would be able to accelerate the emancipation of the slaves with the enforcement of the Confiscation Acts. Now, next week's lesson is about what President Abraham Lincoln said in his response to Horace Greeley. But for this week, let's focus our attention on the time and the pressure and how pressure can and has forced the tide that resulted in what we all know. In 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, but Horace Greeley applied pressure in 1862. The tidal wave of pressure from 1619 to 1862 is from enslaved Africans who put pressure on what was the startup business model of America. In order for America to get further down the road to wealth, some things would not survive the pressure of change. Our ancestors put in time and pressure on the land. They put pressure on themselves and they pushed a startup idea into a superpower of a nation. 
The superpower would grow even more thanks to the technology and innovation of the cotton gin. But the pressure from 1619 to 1719 to 1819 to 1832 was when Horace Greeley decided that there wasn't enough pressure and change could not wait, so he made his move. Horace used his influence and he represented what he said was the prayer of 20 millions, calling upon Lincoln to take a clear position on the abolition of slavery. So let's look a little further down the road of our history, some 101 years from 1862 to 1963. Why We Can't Wait is a 1964 book by Martin Luther King Jr. about the nonviolent movement against racial segregation in the United States and specifically the 1963 Birmingham campaign. The book describes 1963 as a landmark year in the civil rights movement and as the beginning of America's Negro Revolution. The seed of the book is King's letter from a Birmingham jail. The letter became nationally known and received interest from the New York publishing world, which Stanley Leviathan relayed to King in May 1963. The seed that sparked a response similar to the letter from Horace Greeley's New York Tribune editorial made a change. What pressure or influence is in your letter? Have you written it? Who are you writing it to? What can't you wait anymore for? What is the pressure building up in you? Understanding history is important to understanding why pressure is needed for a seed to bear fruit. The book describes 1963 as the beginning of a Negro revolution. Have we begun another? The book seeks to describe the historical events that led up to this revolution and to explain why this revolution was nonviolent. King sought to describe the history because of how quickly it had become visible to America at large and because of its important events to come. He wrote, just as lightning makes no sound until it strikes, the Negro revolution generated quietly. But when it struck, the revealing flash of its power and the impact of its sincerity and fervor displayed a force of frightening intensity. 300 years of humiliation, abuse, and deprivation cannot be expected to find voice in a whisper. Did you read the news that lightning struck the Washington Monument? Did you see the lightning in the storm last week? Because there is more to come. Because American society is bewildered by the spectacle of the Negro in revolt, Dr. King said. Because the dimensions are vast and the implications deep in the nation with 20 million Negroes. It is important to understand that history is made today. For Dr. King, it was 300 years of oppression. For Horace Greeley, some 100 years before, it was the same thing. When Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King wrote a letter from the Birmingham jail, what did he say? He said 20 million Negroes, the same number that was in the pressure of the letter 
of Horace Greeley. The pressure in the letter from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, the letter that was converted into a book that spoke about why we can't wait, gave us two options, chaos or community. Think about the pressure and the time that goes into chaos and goes into community. In chaos, a lot of pressure is present, but it's external pressure to control the chaos. Think about the National Guard. Think about the people who were fearful of what was going to happen when the protests of our community exerted pressure in ways that created chaos. Dr. King gives us several reasons why the Negro Revolution erupted in 1963. Reason number one was disillusionment with the slow speed of school desegregation after Brown versus Board in 1954. A lack of confidence in politicians and government, particularly after the perceived failures of the Kennedy administration. These included a weak stance on housing discrimination and a lack of support for black voting rights in the South. Decolonization of Africa and the international perception of the American Negro as downtrodden and powerless. The centennial of the 1863 Emancipation Proclamation reminded blacks that they remained oppressed in spite of their nominal legal freedom. The Great Depression never ended for African Americans while others enjoyed economic recovery. Black unemployment rose. King says that the economic inequality of America became particularly obvious in 1963. And the last reason was that the rise to prominence of nonviolent direct action as a means for demanding change. Are any of these reasons sounding similar to you? Is the pressure that Dr. King spoke of in 1963 a tidal wave, a surge in 2020? King goes on to describe why nonviolent resistance was so powerful. One of its major strengths involved changing the function of jails in society. Previously, the jail was used as an element of intimidation. Authorities used the threat of pain and isolation in jail to control many separate individuals. Large groups of demonstrators, however, had the power to fill up jails, to politicize the act of being jailed, thereby making jail less of a punishment. He condemns tokenism as an act of deception and offers false pride without real power. Dr. King says the Negro wanted to feel pride in his race. With tokenism, the solution was simple. If all 20 million Negroes could keep looking at Ralph Bunch, the one man in so exalted a post, would generate such a volume of pride that it could be cut into portions and served to everyone. King distinguishes between tokenism and a modest start to equality, writing that tokenism serves to stifle dissent and protests, not to start a process. Horace Greeley, 100 years prior, in 1862. His letter to Lincoln was titled A Prayer for 20 Million. Dr. King spoke of the 20 million Negroes that were being oppressed in the times that he lived in. The way forward is back through. Get clear. Pressure is defined as a continuous physical force exerted on or against by an object by something in contact with it. Pressure is also defined as the use of persuasion 
influence or intimidation to make someone do something. King criticized the leaders of the past. Dr. King felt his dream was bigger than the black community. Many of those willing to take on the pressure and give it to do. His dream in many ways was aligned with Thorogood Marshall's vision that is now imprinted in the blueprint of America. And anyone who remains committed to the change that we can believe in is part of those pressure builders too. Dr. King put the pressure on the actions and investments of those leaders who resided in the pressure points that confirmed the reasons for why we can't wait. New generation, same battle. We're just closer to a win. I am blessed to work and befriend amazing people all over the country. One of the partners you will be introduced to further along this podcast road and I were talking last week. She was sharing how she was a part of SNCC and the training she had to go through to be prepared to protest for victory. Young people, if you have not already spoken to those who came before you in this protest journey, I promise you there is a line of best practices that leads to the pressure being exerted today. Get clear on how to apply the pressure of waiting no more on the opportunities that wait before you. Make it your mission to ensure your pressure results in outcomes worth waiting for and worth working towards. Dr. Cream criticized other approaches for social change for Blacks, including the quietism of Booker T. Washington, the elitism of W.E.B. Du Bois's appeal to the talented 10th, the Pan-Africanism of Marcus Garvey, and the litigation of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. King argued that none of these leaders and philosophies held the promise of real mass change for African Americans. Remember, everyone is entitled to their perspective. Along the narrow road, there are four dimensions of vision, and you have one of them, which means that you've got three blind spots. No one sees everything, especially in a period of pressure. I also want you to realize that even though it looks like we may be fighting in a pressured environment, it is us working together from our different perspectives for a win. A criticism is defined as the analysis and judgment of the merits or faults and evaluation and assessment. My mother, Sylvia Mayhorn Jolly, raised me to show thyself approved so as to not embarrass myself or the family. My time in seminary was my favorite degree because my assignments taught me the value of sharing what I knew of theologians before me prior to ever stating what I thought. Analyzing what comes before you gives you the ability to not only judge the efforts before you, but also justify the moves you are making because of them. Dr. King writes that blacks lack basic human rights and are ruled by violence and terror. He chronicles preliminary demonstrations held by the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights and then describes Bull Connor's attempts to intimidate the SCLC. He tells about how the SCLC nevertheless planned the Birmingham campaign, believing that if segregation could be overcome in Birmingham, it could have effects across the entire United States. 
I want you to recognize in times like these, pressured times like these, that your win is not just for you. Your win can be replicated for the all of us. When I was in Birmingham, I got the pleasure of interviewing a man who was one of the children who marched on behalf of their parents and community. He literally jumped out of his school building window to be a part of the protest to represent as his parents were in jail for their commitment to the movement. When I asked him, were you scared? You were so young at the time. The man replied, now in his early 60s, no ma'am. In Bible study, we were taught what God did for Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We believed that if God did it for them, he would surely protect us. Pressure helps you find your fire and make the moves necessary to shine light on a time whose pressure has come to make beautiful things. There have been a tremendous number of letters written from the internal Birmingham jails within companies, communities, and protests all over this world these past few weeks. Feel the pressure, seize the moment for what is a new beginning for a NOW project that has plenty of work to do. This is the continuation of work that has in many ways never stopped putting pressure in the areas that need it most. The events since the killing of George Floyd have increased the visible effect of the army. Wealth requires a set of business relationships which inquire investment to achieve wealth outcomes. The investment is coming. The letters came first. The announcements came after. The work is now to connect the words to the wealth. Get clear on what is investable in you. What diamond is your pressure capable of putting others through? What is your fuel and what is the jewel that you will see us through this pressure to an advancement of vision whose time has come? I want you to think of the protests all over the world in support of Black Lives Mattering as investments in the pressure cooker of progress, the business of change has received resources. Let the ongoing work of this generational turn of the wheel begin. If you recall from last week's podcast, there are both dimensions of vision and a time for everything. Is your vision clear for what time your pressure is cooking? Is it a tactical, practical call to action? Or is it a call for plans and strategies? Is it a message that calls us together for change we can believe in? Or is it a longer term view of the horizon? Most of these investments pledged by corporations have been allocated over a 10 year period. Does your protest have a plan that can go a decade in the distance? Will your pressure be consistent throughout the journey to next? This is the pressure I would like you to contribute to the mix. Pressure, I like to say, has a cousin called influence, which is defined as the capacity to have an effect on character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. Influence can also mean the power to shape policy or influence favorable treatment from someone, especially through status, contacts, or wealth. 
A person or thing with the capacity or power to have an effect on something or someone? Think about it. When these two cousins, pressure and influence, get together, powerful things happen. The fuel and the jewel can come together to make great change. Every generation has the useful pressure that must be used to stop waiting and start pushing the wheel of progress further. Get clear on what the pressure is telling you. There's a time to be able to build and there's a time to grow. There's a time to be able to expand and there's a time to be able to wait for the vision for though it tarry, it shall surely come to pass. And with each of these time frames comes different types of pressure. I want you to realize when looking through the lens of pressure, what may look like a fight is really a high stake pressured win. The question that I have for you is what type of pressure are you feeling? And what type of pressure can you influence in your letter? Who is your letter going to? Are you like Horace Greeley, writing to a president to make him do what he said he's going to do? Or are you like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, writing a letter to apply pressure on the conscience of a community about why we cannot wait for change that we believe in? What are you doing with your pressure? Are you building fuel or are you building a jewel? So here's what I want to say to the hidden treasure in the narrative of this part of Juneteenth. Regardless of whatever your answers are to my questions, regardless to whatever pressure that you feel, whether it's pressure to create, a pressure to build, a pressure to grow, or a pressure to expand, know what time it is. Know that you are the diamond. Know that you have been in the plan since before you were born. Know that through your ancestral line, through the legacy of 400 years, know that this diamond has been pressured and it is strong and that it is yours. Know that a diamond can drill through whatever rocky, hard places, whatever restraint, whatever roadblocks, and know that the diamond in you is ready to apply its pressure. I want you to apply your pressure in a consistent way, acting like the diamond that you are, fueled with the coal that our ancestors have been for America. I need you to bring your diamond to our community so that our storehouse is ready. We must be ready for the long haul. We must be ready for the reset. The memo of Juneteenth was delayed for a reason, which we will talk about in two weeks. Next week, we will talk about Lincoln's response to Horace Greeley. The week after that, we will talk about why the Juneteenth memo was delayed and what we can learn from these things. But today, I want you to get clear about the power of pressure and time. The pressure that is inside of you, the pressure that is outside of you in your community, the time we live in today, and the time of your reset and where you are focused. Are you focused on putting pressure on the time we're in now? Then you've got to pressure somebody to create something that will benefit us today. Bond to what matters in the moment that we have pushed with our actions these past weeks. Are you focused on putting pressure on the journey, the ongoing journey, what happens in our community? Then put pressure on the rules and regulations 
on the infrastructure that is lacking, what needs to be built, what needs to come together, what budgets need to be reallocated, where we need to focus for the cross-generational transfer of ongoing realities. Bond to what matters in the ongoing day-to-day living. Are you putting pressure on the growth that hasn't happened yet, but could if we knew how? If that is you, that means you are putting out a challenge to pressure the dreamers. You are putting pressure on our right to own, pressure on our community to get our credit right, to participate, pressure on the banks to give us adequate financing, pressure on the housing authority to give us affordable housing, pressure, be specific about your challenge, bond to what matters in the near term. And then lastly, are you focused on the long game, that long-term horizon? Then you are putting pressure on the investments that have been pledged to our community. Pressure for the allotment of the resources that are supposed to be invested in the fact that black lives have always mattered. Put pressure on those companies who could hire more of your friends and family, pressure on those investors and make them with your influence, with your logic, with your insight, with your clarity, make them do what they said they were going to do. In full acknowledgement of black lives that have always mattered, make them put their money where their mouth is in the fertile grounds of our community. Raise their consciousness like Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and raise their awareness of what they said they were going to do like Horace Greeley. Reset Juneteenth value and balance your understanding of the pressure and time it took to make you, to make our community, to make this time, and to seize our promise of this moment. Pressure and time can work in your favor if you work it. Work it to our good. Work to get clear, get focused, and do what you have to do so that we can all get further down the road to wealth our way. The time is now. The pressure has a purpose, and so do you. God bless you. Pressure can be an intense thing, and this podcast was definitely intense. I hope it in some way triggered something within you. My prayer is that it resonated in some part of your heart, in some part of your head, so that as you look at the road before us, the opportunities that are presenting themselves that we've inherited, that the pressure encourages you to ride the tidal wave, to move forward with confidence, and to assume your position. It's important that you be about your business because now is the time that the storehouse has got to be filled. This is a journey that we've been waiting for. Don't be afraid of the pressure. Don't be overwhelmed by it. Don't be distracted by it. Get clear.